Warning, you are about to enter a world populated by the most appalling music ever made. Welcome to the search for the worst album of all time. This is Broken Records. But I hadn't been forgotten, I Joe. I'd been married a long time ago. Saint Bango. <laughs> a girl with kaleidoscope eyes. <laughs> You're beautiful. Hey, hey, I wanna be a rock star. Hello, welcome to Broken Records, episode 77. This is the podcast where we search for the worst album ever made, an offshoot of the Right Act podcast where you can listen to me, that's me, Stephen Hill, and him, that's Renfrey Deadman, talking about all kinds of cool things happening in the music. How are you doing, Renfrey, every Friday, I should say? How are you doing, Renfrey? You good? You good? I'm good, man. I'm feeling much, much better, much... Um more me after my covid spat i i am done with covid for the moment good news that is good news i assume i'm gonna just assume that i've got covid at this point because i'm tired i'm knackered today i'm absolutely knackered mm. again the podcast is going out a little bit late but i went up to london uh in the middle of last week and i haven't come home so i hadn't been able to listen to this album or do any work or anything because i've been at the royal albert hall enjoying the festivities at teenage cancer trust concerts which you can listen to me reviewing on our podcast coming on friday but that is not what this is i mean i'm already like i've listened to enough bad me having watched ed sheeran last night <laughs> yeah. uh review of that coming on friday but my goodness me i've i've only had one sentence so far which i won't repeat because we'll, we'll wait till friday but um mm. yeah sounds sounds not great it wasn't great, to be honest. Um, but this is, as I said, where we're looking for the worst album ever made in history. So, all albums that we cover on the show are compiled from their reputation, your suggestion, the critical standing, the overall commercial or fan reaction to the record somehow, or something else, something completely different, maybe haircuts and uh, you know, <laughs> not being metal or something. Um this week we're going to be talking about Count Your Blessings by Bring Me The Horizon, the debut album from the Sheffield-based arena heavy metal superstars released on the 30th of October 2006. Quite looking forward to another go. I feel like we've spoken about Bring Me The Horizon a lot, so you know, you might already be aware of some of our thoughts and feelings on bring me the horizon before i do that i just want to point in the direction of our patreon page patreon.com forward slash right podcast if you would like to contribute to our financial situation and get some exclusive content about us mostly being nice about albums head over to our patreon page and there's all kinds of stuff over there which you know usually if you listen to our weekly podcast you'll be able to hear about but before i get any further we should also do the flop 20 the 20 worst albums that we have covered on this podcast thus far starting at number 20 with mr blobby the album followed by sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band the original soundtrack eogan quick with owen quig six feet unders graveyard classics volume two phil collins testify towers of london's blood sweat and towers hard to swallow by Vanilla Ice, The Rebirth by Little Wayne, Cut the Crap by The Clash, Angelic to the Core by Corey Feldman, Philosophy of the World by The Shags, Asshole by Gene Simmons, Little Zan's Total Zanarchy. Apparently Little Zan's gone bankrupt recently, Renfrey. He's filed for bankruptcy. Is that right? I wonder what mm. he's spending all his money on. Well, apparently... <laughs> I saw a clip <laughs> with him in the news the other day, and when he had a bit of money, he 
decided to buy a I forgot what car it was like a you know a massive like four wheel drive big ass car like big state yeah. sort of wagon bought a massive massive expensive fucking car and then did a YouTube video of him when he first got it of him keying the side of the car just rubbing his key like keying the car for no reason and he didn't buy it actually he put a down payment on it right of thirty thousand dollars right and then lost all his money. And his manager took the car away and went, well, you've keyed it now, you fucking idiot. So you're not getting your money back. And I'm, so he's like, they took my money. They took my money. They took my car. They took my car. They didn't give, I paid for that car. It's like, no, mate, you paid for a quarter of that car. And you did, so you didn't own it. And you destroyed it for no reason on the first day that you got it. And now they're saying you have to pay all the money back. I mean, Which you that, do. That sounds fair to me. That sounds that is like just, how guess life what? works. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens when you do something like that. <laughs> you absolute moron. Who would have thought little Zan a moron? Anyway. Maybe we should do a stupidest list as well. Who's the stupidest person on Broken Records? Little Zan would be a contender, wouldn't he? Little Zan would be up there, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah definitely. for another time. It is, yeah. I mean, I've been trying to get Renfrey to do a, a sort of patreon page of broken songs where we pick the worst singles and do it and i think stupidest people in just in singles (laughs) would i think little zan would have a lot more because he's at least got the intelligence to make an album where there's some people who just have singles out and you go fuck me what even are you (laughs) like how are you even a sentient like human being um bad blood by blood on the dance floor uh, Methods of Mayhem self-titled debut album The Concerto in True Minor by the True Symphonic Orchestra, Double Wide by Uncle Cracker Crazy Frog presents Crazy Hits I'm Not a Fan But The Kids Like It by Broken Side and at number one My Teenage Dream Ended by Farah Abraham also shout out Guns N' Roses Chinese Democracy for being unranked and basically batshit absolutely crazy yeah yeah. So, um, let's talk about Brimley Horizon again. Count Your Blessings, released on the 30th of October 2006, the debut album from Brimley Horizon. As I said, we have spoken about Brimley Horizon a lot over the time. We started as a podcast in, with Riot Act in 2018. And in that time, just in the kind of three and a half year period, of us doing stuff together as a podcast, Renfrey, I believe we have reviewed in one way or another, in terms of covering a certain album, I believe we've done five Bring With the mentions of Bring With the Horizon. Okay. Th- um, thus far. So there's Ammo, the yep. review for Ammo, the, the full-length mm-hmm. album. Uh, that ho- horrible, awful EP, which wasn't even an EP, which we reviewed, yep. which was a waste of time. The post kill it, shit, shag it, push it, <laughs> like it, lick it, fart on it, That's what love it, plop it. That, There's yeah. the um, the the post human survival human instinct survival. Think EP, which was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen them live? I or? I saw them live at their big outdoor show. Yes. In, um, um, whatever that park one of those parks uh yeah and 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 semper eternal was in my albums of the decades of course yeah yeah yeah. when we did the best albums of 2010 to 2019 so i did re-listen to semper eternal recently 
and I will say it's a very good album. I don't it's think really, it's really, really good. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't like it as much as you do, but I, but I think it is very well, good. It's, it's fucking great. It's fucking great. Um, so we've spoken about Bring Me the Horizon quite a lot, and mm. the the range of opinions from Bring Me the Horizon have been glowing, sempaternal, to a little bit frustrated, to not that fussed, to sometimes like this is quite bad. So I feel like we've had the sort of full range of opinions um, of Bring Me the Horizon. And if I go back further than that, there was a period where I was on other podcasts, the Metal Hammer podcast, something else, uh, where I feel like I was, you know, around the sort of sempaternal suicide season, there was a hell sempaternal era. I was very, very, very positive about Bring Me the Horizon. I thought they were brilliant around that era, in fact, I'm going to say. I had nothing but good things to say about if you, If you don't mind me saying, Steve, as someone who used to listen to your previous podcast that you were talking about quite a lot, I remember that um, that, that was like one of the few outlets that was really, really, like to give, to give you credit, really got on to the Bring Me the Horizon train. Because I think due to this record and due to the EP, which was kind of shit as well, there were a lot of people catching up to bring me to the horizon um and uh yeah i remember i remember listening to you and someone else uh rabbit on about bring me like every week um and i i remember at the time thinking like i think they're quite good i, I don't know if they're that good but um but certainly you know in terms of like the adoration for that band i think everyone else sort of caught up like a year later so just i don't know credit where it's due or whatever um i don't know what my point is really apart from the fact that i'm saying i remember listening to that yes i remember yeah that. well i mean the the first 10 i ever gave i've only given a couple of 10s in metal hammer ever but um mostly for live reviews but bring me the horizon on the sempaternal tour at brixton academy first 10 i ever gave for metal hammer yeah you know and they were astonishing and i just thought that night they were absolutely brilliant yeah. one of the best gigs i went to around that period comfortably yeah 25 percent of the notes were played live as well apparently at that show no I, well, they did, to me it felt <laughs> like they were fully no doing I don't, it. yeah i, I know, know like I yeah <laughs> i wasn't there they, i mean they didn't they, they felt very live to me that yeah. night actually i think this was pre that sort of thing yeah. being yeah like a concern really mm. um I yeah I I thought they were fucking brilliant and it felt like something was going to happen. It felt like I was seeing this band who were like ah they've kind of they're 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 not quite as big as they will be but they're certainly like it it seems obvious to me that this is going to be the band who will go on and and to be fair to them and me as well I was right wasn't I? Oh yeah you weren't wrong. I think I think it's just sort of the direction that they went in which surprised everyone although you know did it surprise people I remember I, I know you've made this point multiple times if a scene is constantly insulting you and saying oh you're not really part of this scene because you've got a shitty floppy haircut or whatever uh, then why would you pander to that scene over and over again why why wouldn't you just go over, go off and make pop music for example you know mm. uh, and i actually think that's the very good and very astute point yeah I, I do and it's um but what it does is it makes it even weirder to go back and think about bring me the horizon as this band as this band that we're going to be talking about I today absolutely felt that re-listening to this album the contrast is so stark isn't it 
whilst we're here, do you know the last time you listened to this record, Steve, before today? Uh, well over a decade ago. Mm. Well over a decade ago. I was not interested in this. It wasn't really until There Is A Hell came out right. that I was like, because that was, people were saying, oh, that should be nominated for a Mercury Prize and stuff. And I was like, really? And I didn't listen to Suicide Season when it first came out. <clears throat> But I heard something from There Is A Hell on a Metal Hammer CD or something. And I thought, well, God, that's that's really good. And that's not what I expected them to sound like at all. Mm. I thought they were just this kind of scrappy, shitty deathcore band mm. with some pretty questionable uh, <laughs> lyrics and uh, titles. And um, mm. it was really good. And so I bought that album. And, and people said, oh, yeah, Suicide Season is great as well suicide season really like that um and then i was like oh maybe actually maybe i got it wrong and i thought i think i might have gone back to count your blessings at that point and then gone oh no (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was uh, yeah they have progressed quite dramatically in quite a short space of time and that's that's good isn't it but yeah how about you so i i can't remember exactly but it was it was less than 10 years ago because i sat down and i'm i won't reveal who it was but i sat down um with the person who did the pr for this album and it had come up in conversation for whatever reason and i'd like to say it was maybe six seven years ago now would be my guess um and we were talking about just how dreadful it was really and i was asking the pr in question about <laughs> having to you know do promotion for albums that you think are absolutely rubbish of which this was one so i re-listened to it when i got home that night just because we'd been talking about it and uh um yeah uh well i won't go into what i think of it yet because you haven't asked me yet but um mm. yeah right yeah so it's been a while it's certainly it's been, been a while. while i mean i think even that's been been a while for both of us i think but it is weird to go back to that early bring me the rise of material and yeah. i find it weird going back to there as a hell to be honest like mm. considering how much they've changed now and like i do occasionally go back to there as a hell you know i mean i think my view is sempaternal is bring me's best album but there is a hell for my money has their best material on it it has the, the best most like, interesting most i yeah. think probably the most artistically uh challenging material stuff like i mean like crucify me and um um um, um bum, 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 it never ends is it um mm-hmm. i mean that there's that some of the songs on that record are fucking spellbinding like they are absolutely mm. amazing um the way that they incorporate electronics into metal and stuff like that which is a notoriously difficult thing to do i think code orange completely blew them out of the water a few years later with forever and have kind of made it completely irrelevant there is mm. a hell to be totally honest but hey um yes count your blessings i mean it, we're talking about a band you know sh- probably should bear in mind that they were what, 18 19 when this uh when this was Maybe released young they were very young they were so. they were very very young and i think you know i find it even harder going back to this period because it's the it's not just the sound it's the reaction to bring me the horizon as a band at that point i mean they've always been divisive hmm. but i sort of think the divisiveness of them as a band it formed here with such potency such strength that it's they've kind of in a lot of ways almost never been able to shake it and i guess we'll talk about how the fan and the 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 reaction to them as a band both negatively and positively has changed over the years but looking back on it considering like you say they're a bunch of little kids essentially it's such a weird fucking time to 
allow a band allow allow yourself to define a band solely on do you know what i mean like that super fucking early early part like when they're so young and your and people's opinions of them has remained so rigid in the aftermath of that no matter what they do is it because bring me have a very antagonistic kind of um do you think they have an antagonistic attitude back do you think they purposefully like don't they maybe they weren't around this period to be fair i i have to say around this period i was at drama school so i wasn't paying attention at all so a lot of what you're telling me um i'm just having to take as read because i was in my second year of drama or my third year of drama school i was busy you know so i wasn't paying attention in the slightest due whilst this album was released but um i mean the impression I, I wasn't even aware that like people were annoyed with them at this point so why were people annoyed were bring me coming back and goading people at this point or is that not the case at all was it was it simply they looked different to what they yeah. sounded like it was as simple as that i think it was that plus the way that they behaved as a band the drunkenness the arrogance okay the the look the the amount of the way in which they got their start was seen i think by a lot of people of us you know them getting a leg up i mean this is not they weren't the only band to experience that at the time were they i mean we're in bullet Fill me in on this because i'm not sure if i know this well, we're getting, we're about to get into oh, it. Sorry. <laughs> so let's go back to the very, very start of the band. We formed in sort of 2002 or met in 2002. Ollie Sykes and Matt Nichols used to go to a lot of hardcore shows when they were teenagers um, and enjoyed the American metalcore stylings of bands like Sky Came Falling or Norma Jean. That's the kind of thing. Zao, I think I've heard them mention a little bit as well. That kind of thing was what they're into. Lee Malia, who is the man responsible for the riffs in bring me the horizon came along and used to be apparently lee malia started in a metallic which i didn't know started in a metallica tribute band was the first band he was ever in ah so that's where the guitar so, solos come from okay yeah yep. but also was into at the gates and in flames and that whole kind of melodic death metal thing yep. mm-hmm. um and sort of introduced the, 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 they introduced each other to those types of styles of music and that is where the the kind of the converge of those two styles come together to, to create i mean it was metalcore before but it being a bit more deathy bring me the horizon definitely were kind of a deathcore band weren't they these early this early stuff at this point this yeah. is and this they, is they, a straight deathcore record as far as i can see and due to the way that they dress when that sort of i guess the, the myspace era emo thing was happening um but metal don't like people who don't look like fucking dimebag daryl playing heavy music or you know so bring me the horizon got a lot of shit for the kind of emo-y swoopy hairs and skinny jeans and all that sort of thing that isn't a metal look so people were initially were like why are they playing this music or oh they're an emo band i mean i saw them pictures of them i should say i remember seeing pictures of them and going oh they're going to be like fallout boy or something like that that's just what they look like right but there's no joke that the stuff they're into like they weren't fucking around i don't this is the weird thing about it i don't think they're fucking around i mean i remember i saw a very early article with them in terrorizer where terrorizer used to do this thing where they play uh, get a band and they interview them and they go we're going to play the song what's the song 
and they'd have to guess what the song is. Now, a lot of them would be quite easy for a lot of people because mm. they were really into it. And then sometimes bands would be like, oh, we, you know, we play death metal, we don't really listen to it or whatever. But Bring Me the Horizon, Ollie knew everything. They were saying like, you know, there's the red chord and there's Morbid Angel and there's like suffocation and stuff like and Dying Fetus. And he knew them all. He knew like all the bands. So, that, you know, I remember reading that and going, they're not fucking around these kids. Like they, they obviously listen to this music. Like, obviously, obviously they do. I think one thing that's been proved with Bring Me The Horizon's career is that they listen to a lot of music and they are, like, massive music fans. That's one thing that I will say about them Mm. that has become really blindingly obvious as the years have gone on. I don't think they always kind of assimilate all of those influences together in a way that is cohesive and makes sense, but they have a wide range of influences maybe not at this point in time but to give them credit they absolutely do you know yeah and i mean i remember doing the metal hammer mc in the metal hammer golden gods in 2014 i think mm. it was 2014 2015 when bring me one best british band and mm. at the gates played and all these metal bands that were backstage it would tell you like how important the band at the gates were and blah 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 blah, blah. and i was sitting inside the stage watching at the gates and no one else was stood near me or with me. There was no one else there. No one from any bands watching them from the side of the stage or anything. You know, no, they were all, you know, having a drink. But they weren't... Yeah, hanging out. Ollie, Sy- Ollie Sykes was stood at the side of the stage. And he had his fucking arm around me and was going, Oh my God, I love this. I love this. And he was fucking, you know, banging his head and going mental. And I was yeah. like, I don't see, you know, the guys from Winterfelleth or yeah. Wolves in the Throne Room or you know the berserker or would have been a berserker but like i don't see anyone else from any of these bands yeah stood on the side of the stage watching at the gates, at the gates just exactly. see just see ollie sykes so not you know, to say I was that those always... bands aren't fans of at the gates but yes no i'm not saying not fans, i'm just saying yeah. ollie sykes is a bigger fan yeah. clearly <laughs> he wasn't willing yeah. to miss them yeah. um and you know their first tour was with the red chords and i think they kind of the lengths they went to to get um that tour sort of says quite a lot about them and again this feels like something why people maybe didn't quite take to them straight away because um they got this slot supporting the red chords in a in a nefarious kind of way which i actually think is kind of genius okay but this is the bit this is the thing that i don't know so ollie's mum carol sykes were managing the band was managing the band at this time and um which did up until about 2008 apparently and apparently she emailed all of the promoters who were putting on the red cord tours and pretended that they were opening like the local support act um or they were only supposed to play their local the, the local show and they said oh no we're, we're playing at every at every show okay and they just sort of made out like they were actually on the tour mm-hmm. even though they weren't even though they'd only been booked to play one show in Sheffield with the Red Cord. And um, they also, she created a fake email account in the name of um, Ollie Mitchell, who was the front man of Johnny Truant. Remember Johnny Truant? Yes. So she made a fake email account as Ollie Mitchell and used that to contact promoters saying, hi, I'm Ollie from, uh, from Johnny Truant. We, we want to take this band Bring Me The Horizon out on, on tour with us which okay. you can either go fucking hell that is like nefarious disingenuous like cheeky well 
beyond like you know you could say that you could say oh that's a bit cheeky in it that's a bit of a laugh it's a bit cheeky or you could say that's actually morally not very not you know you're standing in the way of bands and you know you shouldn't be doing that and that's like a, a bad thing to do i'm kind of leaning towards it being like kind of a clever thing to do in the, the early ish days early ish days of the internet at the end of the day it can be both it can be both. We don't have to come down on a side. Like, I do admire the chutzpah to do that. At the same time, it is massively dishonest. Um, mm. I'm curious to know what Ollie Mitchell thought of it, uh, the uh, lead yeah. singer of Johnny Truant, because, like, if, if, if there is a victim in that crime, and I'm not, like, is there really? I mean, I think that's doing down the, the word victim if we say there's a victim in that crime. But if there were, it's him. But, you know, I, but I can also see why someone could shrug that off and just be like, fair play to you, like, you've got a lot of balls doing that. Or um, someone could just be like... Or, or, but I can also see why someone would be really angry about it as well. I mean, mm. like, there's a there's a fake Instagram account out of me. Uh, Is weirdly. that? Yeah, do you not know this? <laughs> Probably got more followers than your actual... No, it, it? Do- <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> It doesn't, but the, the actual reason why I got onto Instagram in the first place is because someone had created an account in my name, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. I think they have like 25 followers or something like that, last time I checked. But most of them are friends of mine. <laughs> so, I mean, and I was just like, uh, that's weird, but, you know, it's not quite the same thing, you know what I mean? No, it's, I mean, you know, it's not the same thing, but it's also... It's, it's, it's someone it's someone trying to take your identity, isn't it? And say stuff as you i mean i don't think anyone posted i don't think this person posted anything as me on that account so you know it really isn't the same thing at all i'm trying to think if there's any legal ramifications for that like is there like an identity fraud thing theft thing i mean the the, it would only be a legal issue if bring me the horizon had actually made any money on that tour which i doubt they did so you know Mm. yeah i mean I just think yeah. it's cheeky as fuck. It, it's, che- it's, it's cheeky, it's cheeky, but I think it's it's a good thing. To, I mean, I've, we've 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 spoken about various people before who have tried, like threatened, you know, went to great lengths just to get himself a gig at the underworld. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? I think it's kind of you sort of have to respect the, you know, the um, the act of getting your name out there is in, in any way possible. Yeah, and the threatened stuff is far worse because he was sort of saying to all the venues that x amount of tickets had already been sold and so all of those venues would have got on x members of staff and bar staff and all that stuff only to turn up and then it's just a waste of time i mean even you know even that is like i don't know if there's any legal repercussions or should be any legal repercussions for that but that is far far cheekier than what bring me did yeah Mm. It's not. It's not as if that one act is what made them famous. Do you know what I mean? No, of course not. In the no, but it it also, um, you know, I think the fact that they were touring with a sort of professional band like the Red Chord didn't really help when you know, due to the they're young kids and they're you know young kids from Sheffield who like getting junk and the early years of Bring Me the Horizon, a bit like Metallica in a lot of ways, I suppose you could say, um, a kind of fuel the negative a lot of the negativity surrounding some of it is sort of fueled by alcohol consumption you know i remember hearing stories that so my mates they supported my mates band very 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 early on 
Um, my mate used to be the bass player in Stegall, my mate Daz, and he said they turned up to do an all-dayer in, it wasn't in Sheffield, but it was in a, on the outskirts of Sheffield, and Bring the Horizon turned up, and they were they were just these little kids, and they were really, like, they were really mouthy and gobby. They walked around like they owned the place. They appeared to have, like, a bit more money than, you know, better equipment and stuff, and they proceeded to get absolutely fucking blind drunk to the point that when they played they couldn't play they kept falling over everything was out of tune they were just a bit of a disaster really so my mate was like that band oh my god they're just these drunk kids to see them turning up on the front cover of Kerrang a couple of months later he yeah. was like what and they were going oh we're a hardcore band and he was like you're in a fucking hardcore band mm. like what the fuck's going on here apparently they used to like puke up on stage trash all their stuff you know who's again you know it doesn't really feel like a reason to really hate a band in the way that people mm. hate you bring me their eyes in but you can see why people were like Ugh, okay fair enough. Uh, yeah i can absolutely especially if i'd been around it um there are um a million examples of that though aren't there you mentioned metallica metallica played some pretty fucking sloppy shows early on uh if you look at some of that footage um but they dressed right oh yeah yeah well that's the thing so, that's the yeah. way they get away with it Avenged Sevenfold had that reputation for being mouthy fucking shits didn't didn't they I don't know if it was alcohol or drugs or both or neither I don't know um but you know they they were really like I couldn't get through most interviews with Avenged Sevenfold around sort of 2004 2005 because they were so fucking up themselves and they've turned into you've interviewed M Shadows since and he's a very down to earth decent mm. human being you've said multiple mm-hmm. times yeah um, when we did the Pearl Jam special I mean it was a one off but there was that drunken Pearl Jam performance that they did for the singles party you know, I mean yeah. you know probably every single band who's ever made it has had had a performance where they've been too intoxicated on something to perform well mm. um, so and yeah I guess I mean 18 19 year olds at that age, I might have done the same thing. Probably. It was cheeky of Daz. I remember being like, oh, so unprofessional that they got drunk and da da da. And I was like, mate, I remember when you were straight edge, like this guy who was a bassist in our band. And I know he listens, Cackers. I know you listen, boy. You can't be a bloody hypocrite, lad, because I remember you fucking smacking our guitarist in the face during a gig while we were on stage because like, cause <laughs> there was like some altercation and he just started a fight live, like in front of everyone while we were playing. I was like, oh, for God's sake. So, you know. Did it Will Smith? did a will smith did, did, a, will did smith? a will smith yeah yeah it's because somebody called me bald that was why they did it, it was so you were married were you? yeah yeah <laughs> keep my singer's name out of your fucking mouth um in 2000 this is why it's been good that we've uh just for that joke it's worth waiting a little bit to record this wasn't it um so anyway the first ep came out in 2004 and it did feel like there was this weird juxtaposition of people that were all over them from we've spoken about the MySpace era as well. I think they got a bit of a leg up from that. The early scene days, you know, Kerrang! definitely went from. I think Rock Sound definitely went at least covered them because you know young bands playing this type of music. People either seemed to really despise them, or they went really wild for it. I listened to this is what the edge of your seat was made for which is their first EP. Right. Uh, before never heard this. Have you ever listened never listen to it? Never heard that EP, no. I, I'm pretty... guessing it sounds very similar to this. It does, actually. I was kind of expecting it to sound worse. I mean, it's a bit of a mess. The first song in there, Are We, They Have No Reflections, which is nearly six minutes long. 
Right. I mean, that is one thing. I was like, this does not need to be six minutes long. Uh, there's a spoken word bit from Ollie in the song, and he's oh. got a bit of an American accent in it. And I'm uh, like, oh, this is not very good. This classic. is not very good. Mm-hmm. But it was enough to get the band more you know, coverage, going off on tour with the Red Chord, just becoming a little bit of a... They became like a Kerrang kind of tabloid band in a lot of ways where you'd just be like, oh, I just know who they are, but I don't know what they sound like or I just know what they look like, you know? That was my relationship with uh, Bring Me The Horizon for a long time. Like I say, because of the... Um, I don't think I heard Bring Me The Horizon. I mean, Suicide Season was out, definitely. Um, yeah. By the time I'd actually even listened to them. And I knew about all this discourse and I could see that they were like, you know, constantly thrown a load of shade from uh, true metalers and all that shite. Um, But yeah, I don't think I actually listened to them until I'm guessing 2009, 2010, something somewhere around there, I would guess. Mm. It was definitely a funny old time and they won the Kerrang Award for best new band in 2006 and i remember getting that issue of kerrang and it was accompanied by a diary from the band and what they got up to that day and it was a lot of drinking and fucking about and i remember like there was a picture of ollie stood there naked with his kerrang award covering his cock and then they were pissed and they had like puke on the floor and stuff and i just remember thinking well they seem like kind of obnoxious fellows i have to say and it was the proper like big buffony swept over crazy hair thing you know that whole thing that was going on at that time it did not endear me to bring me the horizon at all and yeah i was like you i still at this point i hadn't even heard them and i was just like "Mm, i don't think i'm gonna like this i bet they're gonna you know i again i assume they're gonna sound like the academy is you know or something or something like that i forgot that band even existed yeah, yeah. the academy is my god mm. what an awful or like panic at the disco sort of thing that's what i thought they were gonna sound like and i was yeah. like i have no use for this i have no yeah. have no need for this um but you know they toured and they toured and they toured, they toured with uh lost profits and the blackout yes um they actually i remember going to see i think Katie busters would have been out at this point but i remember going to see kill switch engage on the This Is Absolution tour and Bring Me The Horizon were the opening band of four. I've forgotten who the second band were, but it was the Haunted, it was Kill Switch, The Haunted, Somebody, and then Bring Me The Horizon were added just to the the Very Brixton well. date. Mm-hmm. And were booed off stage. Oh, booed, wow. Were booed off stage by furious metalheads. Um, so yeah, that, they, that would they, have been just after County Blessings had been released? Just after it came out, yeah. It, it was, in fact, it was early 2007 interesting i would i have to say i wasn't really aware that the animosity against bring me had started that early i've got to admit i thought it came a little bit later um i just i just thought at this point they were just a band that no one gave a shit about no this this is this is where all of it i think this, i don't think if you take this period away i don't think people Might would have not a problem have been with there mm-hmm. okay um so when the band uh the band toured and toured and toured they went into the studio to record the album in dp studios the dillinger escape plan studios that's probably not what it's called it's a studio in birmingham with producer dan sprig who had worked with napalm death cradle of filth and lost profits mm. wild that's a pretty crazy couple of bands to be working with and there is a venn diagram of bring me the horizon and i think if you were to like that at this point and lost profits cradle of filth and napalm death isn't a terrible one 
it's actually quite good. I think I think <laughs> actually I think all you need is Cradle of Filth and Lost Profits, to be totally honest with you. But yeah. 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 yeah, yeah but yeah, but yeah, no, yeah. I mean Chuck and Napalm Death, fuck it. Well why not? Yeah, just but, to yeah. make them seem a bit better than they are. <laughs> yeah. By all accounts, um due to the number of shows that the band have been playing and due to the sort of stress that they're under, having had, you know, like this what did you see is made for came out and they used all the songs. They did a few demos. They had like a bedroom sessions thing. They did something for Radio 1 as well. And everything that was left over, they just went, well, that's going on the album. And they didn't have enough stuff for the album. So um, yeah. they wrote three songs in the space of two days mm. just before they went into the studio as well. Mm. <laughs> Which, you know, is not... Um, you know, is not always... It doesn't seem like there's a lot of craft no that goes into writing <laughs> the word writing three songs in, in the two word days. craft doesn't deserve to be anywhere near this band i think even at this stage of their career in 2022 uh no no there's very little craft to the songwriting on this album certainly yeah uh that is fair so you know um, let's get into some reviews of it because this is where I think this shit gets quite interesting actually. Metal Sucks gave it two and a half stars saying Count Your Blessings ends up being a kind of an exercise in good background noise. If I was say cleaning my apartment I just needed something playing in the background I think that Bring Me The Horizon might be good to have around. Not exactly high praise I'm aware but hey it could be worse. It also says quite a lot about the person writing that that I would not put this on to, to do housework to do, while doing housework. <laughs> No, I don't hell. know what I put on to do housework. Probably like in excess or something? <laughs> well, I don't put in excess on. You might. Well, I don't, oh, yeah, I do. Like oh, something nice and fun. Yeah, I mean, I, if you put something on as heavy as this, that it might make you do the housework quicker, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I can imagine doing it to an Arnath rack, like... Like you know, it doesn't feel very relaxing to me. Anyway, uh, about about dot com gave it two stars, saying this is the debut from the British band Bring Me the Horizon. They are very popular in their home country, being voted best British no- newcomer in the two thousand six Kerrang Awards. They also have a huge MySpace following, and were the only British bands beside Coldplay to land in the MySpace top one hundred for two thousand and six. Don't know if that is a true fact, but it's pretty fucking mad if it is. I can see how Bring Me the Horizon and their CD Count Your Blessings would appeal to that type of audience. Their sound is heavy, yet has catchy melodies and some decent riffs and solos. They are a metalcore band and are also sometimes labelled deathcore. To me, Bring Me the Horizon's music is alright, but way too generic and repetitive. Every song sounds similar and there are too many breakdowns. Fucking hell. Come to this year, mate, whoever wrote this. Come to this year. <laughs> pissed off about breakdowns. Mind you, there are too many breakdowns. On oh this God, there are too Fucking many. Yeah. Hell. There is some variety in the vocals with hardcore style yells, death metal growls and higher pitched screams. There are a couple of songs that stand out, but the majority of them run together and are extremely forgettable. I've put that in quite early on, that review, because, I mean, A, I don't think it's a very good review. But B, we are getting to the point in time where you're getting a lot more push from um, the online reviewers and writers and stuff and i think like the footprint of sort of online reviews Mm -hmm. is this is the point where they start to become more commonplace yeah or even not more commonplace but certainly you know the the people were taking those you you could make a 
I mean, I've already mentioned Metal Sucks. I think Metal Sucks started around this time and, you know, it's gone to be an absolutely massive thing. So, yeah. well, one person had the power, the internet gave one person the power to create mm. a website. And, you know, after 10 years or so, potentially it could actually become something which, you know, people, I was about to say revere, but you just said Metal Sucks, um, uh, tolerate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that in some cases, is a, that is, and you know, it is a weird thing because that is that is not a good, not a good review. Um, All music gave it two and a half stars and said the debut full length by Sheffield Metalcore Merchants Bring Me Horizon adds little to the existing knowledge base of the style. Lead singer Ollie Sykes looks disconcertingly like Saturday Night Live star Andy Samberg, and sounds less like the Cookie Monster, the usual point of comparison for metalcore singers, than one of those silly voice creatures in the cantina in the original Star Wars movie. His high pitched <laughs> gibber of, of a voice is. Bring Me the Horizon's most notable feature, as well as the most immediately irritating. Aside from that annoyance, Bring Me the Horizon are vaguely interesting musically in that they often resist the urge to simply pummel every song into high-speed blast beat submission. There's a greater sense of dynamic than usual in these ten songs, including the well-deployed use of hardcore-style mosh parts in between the furious headlong blasts. Sadly, however, the generally unimaginative songwriting and Sykes' mannerisms spoil most of the potential fun. Punknews.org gave it two out of ten. And this, I'm getting to some reviews now hmm. where I go, look, I'm not particularly defending the album, but mm. this is why this is here more than the music, I think. Mm-hmm. Bring Me The Rise is one of those bands that you just don't understand the reason why they're popular. Of all the bands playing their genre of music, the kids went out and latched onto an entirely generic metalcore band that is playing the same songs numerous bands have played in the past. You can't spend five minutes on MySpace without stumbling across some girl's profile, uh, not a girl, who has a picture of vocalist Oliver Sykes or some guy who has one of their songs as his profile song. What's even more cringeworthy is the fact that Almost the entire fan base is based on teenage girls and their obsession over vocalist Oliver Sykes to the point where when I saw them in Cleveland, every girl screamed when he jumped into the crowd. The saddest aspect of Bring Me Horizon is that if vocalist Ollie Sykes happened to be some hairy 300-pound beast, their fan base would be minimal at best. They are the metal-stroke hardcore equivalent of a boy band. Every girl is obsessed with him and every guy would kill to be him. It's kind of sad when you actually sit and think of what Bring Me Horizon has become popular for and even sadder that for some reason Earache decided to put out this album in the States. But it's pretty much commonplace for undeserving bands to be the ones to receive all the praise and gather a large fan base nowadays. Um, even worse a website called Kill Your Stereo didn't actually give the album a score but did pat itself on the back for knowing loads about metal in their review <laughs> saying this could have been the greatest metal record of the last 10 years and I still would have struggled to give it a good review why you ask because by all report, reports vocalist and public enemy number one Oliver Sykes yes that's right his name is Oliver, is a right royal dickhead putting the band's extracurricular activities and bad reputation aside doesn't say why. doesn't say why he's a dickhead. just says he's a dickhead. Mm-hmm. Count Your Blessings can be viewed in two completely different ways. If you're 18 and think of Trey, the greatest metal band of all time, then you will love this. The band have great haircuts, very expensive jeans, and lots of breakdowns where you can show off your mosh moves to your 16-year-old girlfriend. If, however, you've actually heard a real death metal band before and you don't care much about young men parading around in their sister's clothes, then there's nothing on Count Your Blessings that you haven't heard before. Hmm quite a lot of uh, gatekeeping going on there isn't there yeah quite a lot of putting people down because um they're young or they're Mm -hmm. uh women or girls Mm -hmm. or whatever Um, or they they don't listen to death metal i mean look 
if you do think Atreyu are the best metal band ever, then fucking hell. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah, you, sure. You've got to, like, you know, that's, <laughs> that's mental. But if someone said that to me, I would go, oh, that's mental. You should... But I wouldn't then turn around and go, you have to listen to what I like. You have to. I'd either go, you either really aren't that fussed with metal or you're just starting in your journey toward it or you have some yeah. sort of, like nostalgic love for them whatever man whatever mm-hmm. fine but like i don't agree if, yeah. if if a friend of mine came up to me and said i think count your blessings is a phenomenal metal record i'd rip them for it but i wouldn't be like you because of that opinion you are not a part of this scene and you shouldn't be a part of this scene and you're a fake and you're an imitator whatever we work with people all the time who I mean, you know, I like Muse, and you have to work with me. You know, it's just, it's such a fucking. I mean, it's a pathetic attitude. We've talked about it quite yeah, a lot. Yeah, that's ridiculous. not even if this was the best. Like going, if this was the best metal album of the decade, I'd still give it a bad review because I've heard vague whisperings from nowhere that the lead singer is a twat. Yeah. I'm not going to actually justify the reasons i'm not going to say what what they are or how i found that or whether or not i think they're true i'm just going to blindly i mean you know not much has changed i'm just going to blindly accept this like oh he's an idiot oh is he oh great okay right fine yeah okay yeah sounds that is a really good review i imagine that guy doesn't write about music anymore um but then this is the thing and you kind of got you kind of were talking about this anyway but just to underline the point this is the this is a large part where a lot of you know look let's just say amateurs people who people who were doing it either for free or just in exchange for tickets to shows and stuff like that are writing and look i'm I'm not putting anyone down doing that i've done a large share of that myself over the years like you all have to start somewhere but you know those things aren't sub-edited in the way that we, we were seeing things in a different light because we were seeing things which suddenly just weren't looked over by anyone else and they were just sort of put up onto the internet and then you see these opinions which aren't particularly justified Mm. and that's the whole thing with i mean i've always said there's a lot of people who seem to think that being a critic of any kind whatsoever is the job is to have an opinion and it isn't to have an opinion it's to have an opinion and be able to justify it the having an opinion part that's like one percent of the work it's just justifying it is the work Mm. I think, I mean, I, I did see someone tweet something the other day, which I thought was interesting about Anthony Fantano. And again, I know you're not mad keen on it. I don't agree with everything he says, but I think even when he doesn't like something, you get a sense of whether or not you yourself would like it. And I think even that, yeah. you know, they said that. And I was like, yeah, that's a really good point, actually. There's stuff that he's spoken about before where I'm like, well, you know, the shit he says about Macedon, uh, you know, Emperor Sand, where he's like, oh, that's not very good. And when he says, oh, it's a bit Queens of Stone Age, it's like, yeah, it is. And, yeah, I, I mean, I like that. So, yeah. I, I, I have my issues with Fantano, but I would never accuse him of that specific. I would never mm. accuse him of um, not justifying his opinion. I think, I think he actually often does quite well. So, but I yeah. think, I think that's the absolute like that should be the basics. That should be like one hundred and one for yeah. for, for um, reviewing and stuff like that. And um, a lot of people can't even get that right these days. And it's sort of crept into uh, more professional journalism as well, unfortunately. But I mean, that's mm. another topic for another day and something we've talked about quite a lot anyway. But yeah, yeah, 
I mean, I can't find the old Kerrang! Metal Hammer or Rockstar reviews, which I would have been very interested to have seen mm. from back in the day, but I yeah. don't know where they are. I haven't seen them at all, so I don't have that. But Metal Hammer did do a worst to best of Bring Me the Horizon's back catalogue uh, a few years back, and this came bottom of the pile. Yes. I'd and they said, like to think so. if you... Yeah, if you want to hear five teenagers making a racket and being brutal, then Count Your Blessings is for you. It's not a crap record, but Count Your Blessings is a derivative affair, possessing few of the hallmarks that may bring me the horizon unique later on. Even Pray for Plagues, the album's go-to track, follows a formula Carnifex would better the following year. The whole record is basically a load of breakdowns, Ollie Sykes going boy, and the Lee Malia Curtis Ward at the Gates fan club operating at a furious level. Silly, meaty deathcore that's still a lot of fun. It reached number 93 on the UK album charts, which for a debut album by a bunch of kids who don't know what they're doing, clearly, is pretty fucking impressive, playing say, music like this. Like, for a deathcore album, full stop that's impressive isn't it like that that does say quite a lot Mm -hmm. about the hype they had around them and uh, you know look 93 it's not super impressive but that for music like this i'd be really i've not paid all that much attention to chart positions of deathcore albums (laughs) to be honest but i'd be really surprised if there were you know Whitechapel releasing an album now if that got to 93 in the charts, I'd be really impressed with that. In the UK? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say in America, they've obviously done... No, no, no. Not in, the, not in America, shit, but, but, in, in, but in, in the, the UK. UK. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd be... Yeah. I'd be... That would be like, wow, white, that that's really good for Whitechapel, you know, mm. considering the sort of music that they play. You know, it's not a diss yeah. on Whitechapel. It's just, you know... So, yeah, that's... Yeah, that's I very cool. much doubt any of that. Because when you look at some of them and you, you, you know, when you, you see like... <laughs> Whitechapel had a top ten album in America and stuff, and you're like, fucking hell. Yeah. And like the the Amity, not the Amity Affliction, the um, the Acacia Strain and stuff. It's like fucking hell. Their album got top thirty back back when back when Deathcore boomed in America, and people were going, that's absolutely incredible. The thing that Bring Me the Horizon over here, where we, you know, like like you say, like none of those bands, none of those bands will ever get anywhere near the charts. Yeah, exactly. In the UK. I've just I've just very quickly looked up on the um, Whitechapel Wikipedia page and they do actually have peak chart positions for a bunch of countries but they don't have it for the UK. Um, which would suggest which would suggest to which probably suggests to me that it didn't but no, that's not necessarily the case. Basically the information isn't available there. But um on Wikipedia anyway, the quick look that. But of the 10 charts that they're showing, five of them are different us charts so there's us us heat seekers us indie us rock mm. us hard rock all that that's so fucking boring and complicated but yeah there you go yeah, i don't know why they do that Idiots. anyway it's anyway. surprise it i i thought that was a really that's a really good position for a debut mm. deathcore album yeah it's mad absolutely mad yeah. but all the chat out of the way Renfrey, um what do you think about count your blessings by bring me the horizon um it's a record (laughs) (laughs) i don't think it's fine it's a record made by scrappy 18 to 19 year olds who you know who who have a lot of confidence in themselves uh who are nowhere near as good as they think they are certainly at this point in their career um but then you know and that's 
irritating in a way and um but it's but there's also been a million albums made by you know young scrappy upstarts and i don't think i don't know Frog Stomp by Silverchair is a much better record than this is. I mean, it's a silly comparison, really. Yeah. But it's a much better record. But, you know, they were 15 when they did that. Hysterics by Rola Tomasi. It's a much better record from a band, I suppose, in at the time in a similar-ish scene. And, and Rolo originally were from Sheffield as well. And Hysterics mm. p- pisses on this. Absolutely mm-hmm. pisses on it. And they were about 14 when they did that. But, you know, I mean... It's a deathcore record, isn't it? Like there are, we, we we've both said it a lot in the past. Neither of us are really deathcore fans at all. There's the occasional, so you know, we've both admired stuff that Whitechapel have done in the past, and I've jumped onto this band, Lorna Shaw, who I think are doing really interesting things as well. But that is, that is it. I don't think I listen to anything else involved with deathcore at all, like literally. So you know, hey, this isn't for me. But yeah, it's just it's di- it's difficult because it is just a, a bad deathcore album, or, or rather, I said that to you just prior to uh, uh, recording this, and you you said you mean a deathcore album, and actually, yes, that is what I mean. It's just a deathcore album. Mm. I mean, look, you know, I I I was obviously I was mucking around a little bit there. I like I, I like more deathcore than you, undoubtedly. Right, like right. I, I I really like that as murder. I oh, know. Yeah, yeah. I just think they're a laugh. I really like the last few Whitechapel albums. Probably going back to the last four Whitechapel albums, I think are great. I've always had a bit of a soft spot for some of the Carnifex material. Okay. Of yeah, yeah. the sort of 2010s, first half of 2010s, I think there's some great Carnifex albums. You know, I, I had a few, you know, Deathcore albums that I thought were good. Like, you know, I remember getting Genesis by Job for a Cowboy and being like, I don't really know what this is particularly, but it's cool. Mm-hmm. And. I'm not sure they kind of, again, a bit like Bring Me the Rise, I'm not sure this justifies the hype, mm-hmm. but it's cool. It's a cool It's a cool thing. I think when that style gets it right, it can be like quite fun, quite a fun thing. It's not any, it's never going to be anything which I go, this is very important. This is really essential. This is really kind of. This has really moved me. This is really. This really speaks to me. I'm, I don't think I'm ever going to feel like that about a deathcore album. I, I can't imagine what that would have to do for that. Like it's just not going to happen. You know. Well, even the Valley by Whitechapel, which we both reviewed very positively, that there were some mm. really personal things that we yeah. thought about on that record. And whilst I thought that was a great record, it didn't move me emotionally particularly. And it's barely a Death Girl album. Yeah, exactly. So, you know. Um, so this, I listened to it. And, you know, like I guess some of the early stuff that I remember hearing where I'm like, I'm not sure if this sort of goes into Death Girl. Like, you know, we've already mentioned the Red Chord a few times. I really like the Red Chord. I think the Red Chord are wicked. Like, really, really cool band. And this is young people doing their sort of impression of it a bit, I yeah. guess, before it was a sort of fully established style. Yeah. It's not great. I don't think it's absolutely awful. Like, in my head, it was awful. Mm. In my head, it was markedly, like, just, oh, my God, this is bad. This is really bad. When you consider how bad some of the music made under the name of Deathcore and Metalcore is now, this is a very unrefined version of that, which, you know, I think it's probably easier to, even if you're a young band, to 
pro tool the shit and trigger the shit out of everything now to make it at least at least sound good you know what i mean at least, at least sound good this doesn't really sound that good no. but much like a lot of material from the bands they like the early material i mean i've mentioned recently on right act we mentioned bands like you know early refused early at the drive-in early um grade and early do you know what i mean like it, it, going back to a lot of these bands that we fucking love who take a couple of albums to 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 work out exactly what it is they're doing loads of bands release albums like this yeah. loads of bands i mean christ jesus christ bobby by minus minus i should say is one of my fucking favorite go-to like maddening heavy records it's a great record and when it came out i was so obsessed with them that i went and got the album before that it's rubbish it's absolutely rubbish it sounds shit sounds like a shit demo of a completely different band it's crap and if i'd heard that i probably wouldn't have bothered with them do you know what i mean like like, i wouldn't have been as excited by it but loads of bands make albums like this i mean pray Pray for plagues is the song that everyone goes on about and i quite like it i mean it is it's it's all over the place i think the problem with this record is it's just all over the fucking place there's no semblance of anyone really having any sort of understanding of what they're doing it's the lack of craft that we were talking Mm. about before and it's what a lot of young people doing young people writing music myself included i i was super guilty of this around this age of basically just bolting riffs together but them not really like moving seamlessly uh like there's parts which are just so jarring um on this record because of the way that they move from different part to part but you know there's a lot of music made by young people generally it's usually a young person thing um because you, you've got lots of ex- ideas and you're excited and you're trying to get them all down on a page or on tape or whatever but you don't know how to collate them together kind of thing you know um and yeah this is this is absolutely 100 percent guilty of that but like you're saying there are thousands thousands and thousands and thousands of records just like this and it's uh yes i suppose what you're getting at is its reputation for being absolutely god-awful terrible is probably a little ott yeah i mean i have so little to say about this as a record yeah same i have so little to say about there's a few bits where you know i mean the second track i mean you look at stuff like stevie wonder's eyes own for stevie wonder's eyes only open brackets braille close brackets and you're like oh, that's eggy that isn't it that yeah. is an eggy eggy song title rubbish naff it's fucking naff it's the sort of thing you say when you're 16 and you go uh, if you're not that funny i mean even at 16 i'm not sure even, i'm not sure i would have thought that that was a good song title you know but then but the thing is is that i you know i know the song titles from stegel albums i know what they're based on and how that made us the five of us really laugh and who knows if it's based off of something like that like tell slater not to wash his dick that's a really bad name for a song it 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 is but then i mean i mean that's hardly the biggest crime (laughs) of this record but and also it was like that emo name thing that long emo name thing i mean that becomes so big and so ridiculous i mean to be honest norma jean um were quite you know they did it yeah they you know doing those ridiculously long song titles and stuff i I remember getting the drowning man album and seeing the song titles and it was the first time i'd ever seen those fucking insanely long mad song titles and i was like oh my god this is amazing 
and then a couple yeah. of years later i was like uh everyone's doing it and it's a bit and they're, and they're not as good it was either. great for like two minutes like genuinely like oh this is so cool and then it became very naff very very quickly and bands continue to do it <laughs> it's very annoying but yeah i loved it at first i thought it was wicked yeah um and i saw it as a very much an emo thing i think a lot of people saw it as an emo thing and then you mm. know inevitably would have just just looked at the names of the songs and gone oh well they're an emo band you know and all that shite blah 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 mm. yeah i mean again like i like i say i, I think there's some Cheap, you know, you can hear the odd bit of like morbid angel-y swooping guitar attempts on here. You can hear the kind of the the again like breakdowns all over the place. When Ollie goes move, it just sounds so <laughs> bum. <laughs> it's like, that's your mosh call. Is it move? Yeah. Like, move, <laughs> move. Yeah, yeah. Some really crap mosh calls on here. Um, I know I talk about breakdowns being awful all the time, but this this is. A very, very good example of what I am talking about. Like, there's they're overused. All of the breakdowns are just one chord played in a rhythmically janky way. They're utterly, utterly rubbish and add absolutely nothing to the songs whatsoever. Except it feels like it's it's a bit of a break from all the other noise, which isn't really a very good uh, indication of how good your record is. Actually, there's a breakdown on for Stevie Wonder's Eyes Only Braille, which is particularly weak it's just absolutely awful they clearly had a very i'm assuming it's lee manila uh who was playing all the ripping leads on this um mm. album and, and and you know you often have a mate at that age um who who just happens to play like amazing lead guitar and everyone like really thinks they're incredible and stuff and to be fair like for 18 19 years old he's he is playing some pretty wicked stuff but like none of it seems to really fit with the material that they're playing um he's almost I, i'm over exaggerating slightly but he's almost playing like classic rock leads over deathcore it's not quite that bad but you know it doesn't really fit um and it does feel a lot of the time as if he's doing those things because he can not because it's going to add to the song i mean to be fair the the solo guitar playing was probably my favorite bit of the record the guitar solos and stuff but not because they sounded good just because i was like oh that's quite impressive for a 18 19 year old but i don't think they fit with the songs there's so much that doesn't really fit i mean i guess at this point again like i say deathcore wasn't properly established as a and, and I, I don't remember, you know. No, actually, that's not true. Two thousand six, I would have. Yeah, you, you, yeah, no, yeah, actually, I'll take that back because I was thinking more. This was two thousand four, but it's actually two thousand six, isn't it? And yeah, so deathcore would have been a thing, definitely at this point. Yeah, it would have done. Um, but I still don't know how clear the parameters of what that was meant to be were mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, and Bring Me the Horizon do not feel like a band who knew either. I don't think it sounds like a band. It sounds like a band who don't really know what they are. I mean, when you look at the interviews in the aftermath of it, Ollie Sykes says they just wanted to make noisy music, and Lee Malia said, "When you're young, you just want to do everything to extremes." That's what the first EP and the album were like. Too overexcited sounding. Yeah, and 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 to to give them some credit, they they did achieve that. Like that yeah. that undoubtedly was achieved. <laughs> mm. Matt Nichols said that they were. 18 or 19 years old and wanting to be as metal as possible. I mean, all these things they look at now, and I think, you know, in, it, for me, 
I remember this coming out and going, oh, it's been ripped to shreds. Everyone seems to hate it. Everyone seems to hate them. I guess they had their chance. They're just going to fuck off now. They're going to be like Aiden or something. They're going to be like, oh, all the hype. And then the album's no good and they just bugger off. But that's not what happened. So I guess we could, I mean, I don't really have anything else to say about the album. It's a perfectly functional, functionable, utterly unremarkable mid-2000s deathcore album. The end. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. If I, I, was, I was thinking if I were reviewing this in Hammer today, four out of ten? Oh, really? I mean, I'd give it. I, I, For what it is, in, in Hammer, I would probably give it a a five or a six maybe i was jumping between four or five but yeah it's you know it's meh. yeah uh, i found a thing on reddit asking fans if they liked this album it's from eight years ago so just before that spirit came out and it's weird how even when they were touring their best album there were now people who were kind of repping for this record and being like oh i liked it when they were heavy and did again the 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 thing with Bring Me the Horizon, like what the fuck is wrong with people, man? Like I don't understand this. This band are awful. They're off. Oh shit, they do shit deathcore. They do, and then years later, this nostalgia for it. Oh no, they sold out now. They were great before, and it's like, we, you said they'd sold out before. I don't understand. I don't understand why you're saying Bring Me the Horizon are now sellouts, or you know, there, there are people on on that Reddit forum list going, oh, I love Count Your Blessings. I think it's brilliant. It's the best Bring Me the Horizon album. Now they're just making this pussy pop music and it's shit. I was like, well, people were saying that they were an emo band and that it was sellouts and they were for kids and all this. Stuff. They've been saying that when they were making music that sounds like this. So where's this come from? I don't understand. It's a really weird thing. It's like Dave Grohl with the whole... Uh, what's the thing from Studio 666? I want to say Witch Sorrow, but it's not. The name of the band. What's the name of the band? Dream Widow. Yes, that's it. Witch Sorrow. Dream Widow thing where they're like, oh, he suddenly likes metal, does he? He's like, you did an album with fucking Tom G. Warrior 10 years to 15 years ago. What are you on about? Like, what? Your parameters just shift to to keep, as long as you can keep your position that Bring Me The Horizon have sold out, it doesn't matter what goes, as long as you feel like you can justify that somehow, it's all fine, right? Reality doesn't matter as long as you pat yourself on the head, metal knobhead, gets to say, oh, they've sold out. As long as you get to say that, that's the most important thing, right? Right? I think there's a lot of people who like to have contradictory opinions on purpose and then voice them. You know, one of the perils of the internet is uh, by giving everyone a voice. Uh, we've given a lot of idiots a voice as well and uh, as a result a lot of white noise is created and a lot of those people like to garner attention by just having an opinion which goes against the the status quo I guess not the band mm. yeah you wouldn't want to go against them so I mean even even by 2008 just before the release of Suicide Season the band had pretty much said they weren't happy with the results of the record Lee Malier said he wanted to do something better than this record that was the aim going to Suicide Season which they undoubtedly did and the backlash and the sort of aftermath of this album like I said I think it feels like something which has completely set the tone for Bring Me The Horizon's entire career their first Hammer cover when they were doing This Is A Hell, was them as metal pariahs. You know, like, oh, bring me the horizon. Are they sinners against metal and all this stuff? And Gil took There Is A Hell uh, to Bloodstock before it had come out and played it to a bunch of bands I remember that. who were playing that and went, what do you reckon of this? And they'd go, oh, this is really good. 
It's bring me their eyes in. Oh, and then they just poo-poo the, the entire thing that they've just said. Yeah. Well, some of them did. Some of them didn't. But yeah. 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 I mean, I think like, I think Devin Townsend didn't. I remember Michael Ackerfeld was like, oh, it's shit then. He went, oh, this is good. Who is it? Bring me their eyes in. And then he went, oh, oh I hate it then. I do remember Ackerfeld saying that. Mm. And I was like, oh, well. And most of the songs from this album, Bar Pray for Plagues, which they do occasionally do now and again, have been dropped as soon as Suicide Season came out. Most young bands get to make a fairly middling to poor, badly produced, finding your feet album like this. No one ever hears it or no one cares about it or no one brings it up or people are kind of aware that it exists but just sort of let it go. But because they were so massive and so in the press all the time, because they were such a big story, it feels like, like I say, it's just set the tone for their entire career, this album. And that is why, ultimately, I think this record is here. I do think it's the worst Bring Me The Horizon album. Yeah. But I also think how incredibly unfair that it's become the sole justification for a lot of people as to why you're not allowed to like Bring Me The Horizon. And the more they go on to do more things, and no matter how much more interesting and artistically creative or whatever, that's actually a, a tick. That's actually another cross against their name because, you know oh, fuck this band, this new young band, they're just for 16-year-old girls, they're an emo band, they're not real metal, blah, 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 blah. Years and years and years later, okay, we won't make metal music anymore. Oh, you sold out, you used to be a metal band, you used to be heavy and blah, 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 blah. Well, that's not what you were saying 15 years ago. What's what's the deal? You just want to hate this band. Yeah, it's interesting how, you know, first impressions last, that's what they say. And I think that is true up to a point. Although, on the other hand you know who's had the last laugh i mean bring me the horizon had ridiculous success and they've got fuck loads better than this i mean that's an objective fact um fuck me like they are definitely a better but even with that horrendous ep and stuff like that you know they are way way better now than they are than they were here like fact i mean there's an there's a worrying kind of trend of um brands being created before bands and i don't think bring me were that by design but arguably that is sort of what they were like jumping on tours before they were ready to do it and stuff like that getting nominated in kerrang i mean it does uh it kind of brings up quite a lot of wargasm parallels funnily enough and there's a lot of um i mean there is a big big thing at the moment about some some people some managers deciding that they want to build up the brand of a band before before you know the band have any decent songs or any decent music we did talk about this a little bit in an episode we did towards the end of last year uh and sometimes sometimes it works really well and sometimes it's wargasm although that's the funny thing as well like re-listening to this did make me think i mean give wargasm a massive tour and get them to play 30 nights in a row and get them to force them to be good basically through playing loads and loads and loads imagine if the you know second wargasm album is a suicide uh, count your blessings to suicide season type jump it's it's interesting well they've got to get their first one they've got to get their first they're they're, they're not even they're not even on this is what the agency is made for on their tour in america with limp biscuit so and they've been uh and they've won the best best live nominated for best live band at the heavy music awards didn't they i'm sure they won an award didn't they i can't they remember probably did yeah yeah of course they did because they were up on stage yeah okay i think they won best new band you know but like basically this sort of stuff happens 
a lot it happens all the time and and as you've just pointed out i think the wargasm thing's far worse than the bring me thing and oh yeah me too yeah, get yeah. very people yeah. very few people complaining about that apart from us just, I, I don't know. know i think a lot of people are sort of look at it and go we you've only got three songs i mean again yeah. like you know a couple of not very you're right like no fucking shade on wargasm for just you know us not thinking they're a very good live band i think it's just the fact that they're being a not very good live band in huge arenas where you go well how's, how, how have you managed that yeah, yeah and yeah. it's all been put you know yeah well, we could talk about that for well it all time. it just comes back to you know knowing that there are literally thousands of bands who deserve it more than they do and blah 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 and it's all nepotism mm. but yeah. and i think people also felt that a little bit with bring more well, quite a lot with bring the horizon as well but this album has also been described as a deathcore classic by some people you know, it's got a reputation in some places from early fans of being this deathcore class. And again, to me, it's like, it's not the worst thing in the world that stops them from being a metal band and blah, blah, blah. But you don't have to go to these polarizing extremes where, oh, it's yeah. a classic. No, it isn't a classic. It's absolutely not a classic. I've seen people now going, well, I, I think it's their best album. Their best album. <laughs> their best album. But people do that for attention that's what it is it's 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 that they just they they just want attention because <laughs> they yeah, know I mean, it's they... such a bonkers thing to say and then they get it yeah the internet yeah i mean it's it's fucking lunacy the idea that that could be their best album mm. absolutely fucking maddening oh it, it, it is objectively their worst album i mean i was trying i was trying to weigh it up and i was like if that ep counts i was like which do i hate more I think the actually the EP's worse than this. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it might actually be just because it's so the, fucking the, It's so long, ignorant. it's really pretentious yeah. and I think they've got a better handle on deathcore. Uh, they've got a be- better handle on death metal and hardcore on this than they have on right. ambient electronic music Absolutely. on I I know there are people who go, "Oh, isn't it really isn't it really good?" Like I've seen a few people. No, no, that's really brave of them and it's great that they're doing it. And it's like, "Yeah, but but it's shit." I could I could release an ambient electronic EP. Yeah. I could. That would be really brave of me, wouldn't it? To have never done anything before ever and then go, well, I think I'm going to be an ambient electronic artist. It would be fucking dreadful. It would be fucking <laughs> dreadful. Yeah. yeah. Just doing something, you know, like oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to release a Scar album. Just me with like a one man band. I'm going to put cymbals between my legs and buy a trombone. Can you imagine that? It would be fucking it. awful. No, no, well, it would be very brave of me to do that, Renfrew. <laughs> Incredibly brave. Um, let's touch on the other thing before we rank it. And I think this is also plays quite a big part. I've already mentioned Ollie Sykes, horrible man. You know, oh, he's a horrible man and blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. Um, at this point, he was just a drunk kid. In the aftermath of it, there is stuff, isn't there, about Ollie Sykes? Mm-hmm. There is stuff that makes people go, I don't like this person. Mm-hmm. It's not just the kind of the arrogance or the stupidity or the the miming <laughs> there's the 2007 incident of assault and urination on a fan mm. which went to trial which was dropped for a lack of evidence eventually but apparently there was an incident in not in rock city where two girls tried to get on the tour bus ollie tried it on with one of the girls when he said no when she said something. When she said no, sorry. He called her a dyke and then pissed on her before he and the rest of the band threw her and her friends off the bus. Once off the bus, someone within the band 
threw an empty bottle of Jägermeister at the girl's head. That is... Boys will be boys. Boys will be boys, won't they? They will be... Pathetic. They will be boys. I mean, look, we don't know what happened on that particular night, but it was, you know, a lot of different versions of that incident have been posted online in the aftermath of it, and a lot of chat has happened about it, and eventually it got, you know, it, it, it was dropped due to a lack of evidence. So who fucking knows what happened that night? But that mud stuck with him, right? That mm. did stick with him for a long time. He got in a fight with Sam Carter, a fake fight in 2008 for an architect's video where um, he was supposedly put in an ambulance, taken away in an ambulance on this video shoot after getting into a fight with, with Sam Carter, which led to death threats being sent and hate mail. But it was all like a, like a shoot, as they would say in wrestling. It was all fake. It was all kind of like a fake made-up thing just to go with the video. Okay. And, yeah, so there was that. They kind of, as Ollie said himself, all-day events can get boring very fast. So we conjured up the first idiotic thing we could think of and made it as unbelievable as possible. But people believed it, and it ended up to, you know, coming back to get Sam. He's been accused various times for uh, of, you know, goading his audience into doing things that are a little bit ott moshing too much in 2013 uh brimley was sued by the parents of a 12 year old girl um due to the injuries she got in a mosh pit while watching the band's performance at the warp tour and he was sort of alleged to have stirred up that crowd to dangerous levels which you know i think that's a bit of a stretch for me really i think that's a bit of a stretch but whatever uh oh, i don't know i i i, I mean he certainly had a kind of there was clearly a sort of in joke about making like the most crude mosh call you could think of for a while with bring me which i just found so kick someone in the cunt kick someone in the cunt yeah 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 just trying to be as sort of gross out as possible and it's just a bit eye-rolling, really. It's just tiring. It's like, I mean, I think there's plenty of that in Bring Me's stuff. I, I know there's lots of people who disagree, but um, what is the song on Sempaternal? Anti-Visit? Like, the, like yeah. that entire song... Anti-Vist. Anti-Vist yeah. sums up the the shitty attitude that Bring Me have, which I find really eye-rolling and annoying and pathetic. I think metal often feels more powerful and more dangerous and more um you know you often come across as more scary when you're not trying to be i think this is kind of part of the issue with what's happening with code orange at the moment there's a lot of like menacing glares and stares at the camera and stuff and it just comes across as a bit funny really and you have to be careful you know you have to be careful if you try too hard you just look stupid Hmm. yeah and then of course he had a little bit of um uh, problems in 2016 with uh allegations of domestic abuse uh domestic violence i should say towards his now ex-wife hmm. so he's had his times uh over the years hasn't the ollie sites where you could kind of go i guess i sort of understand why people are looking at all that and they don't like him but it's weirdly doesn't appear to me i don't think to really have a lot to do with the actual music that bring me their eyes and have made which is either very good or just kind of nothing do you know what i mean i don't really see the problem 
with them. Another reason Ollie Sykes gets it like gets it a lot and pro- possibly I mean well I'm probably one of the people who who dishes it out quite a lot. Bring Me the Horizon's music is never good because of Ollie Sykes. In fact, more often than not, it's good in spite of Ollie Sykes. I don't agree with that. Right, I think Ollie Sykes writes some really. I mean, I think if you go on to Sempaterno, I think some of the some of his vocal uh, line. I think he does he does something which I think I've said this before. He does something that Fred Durst does, which is that he's not a good singer technically. He doesn't have great lyrics, but he is able to pen an incredibly memorable vocal hook and vocal pattern. I think if you look at a song, Sleepwalking, Sleepwalking. I think if you look at a song like, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a whole, you know, Can You Feel My Heart or um, uh, what's why why can't I think of the fucking name of it now? This is Sam Paterno. Yeah. Can one, you tell from the look in her eyes? What's the name of that song? That is really annoying. That I can't remember what the name of that song is. I think Shadow you, Moses. Shadow you, Moses. If you isolate his vocal hooks, even when they're good, and put them next mm. to the other arena bands, put them next to a Biffy Clyro vocal hook, and you will see how piss weak they are quite quickly. I mean, I think this is where composition comes in and craft and all that sort of thing. It's memorable, but it's that thing of like, just because it's memorable doesn't mean it's good. He doesn't have very strong capabilities as a vocalist or as a lyricist or any of those things. And occasionally, because he does it so much, he hits some sort of a jackpot. But it's, you know, like a stops clock, isn't it? I think throughout Simpaterno, I think as well, if you, when you look at, I mean, even the, there's, you know, there's, there's really, really big, hooky, catchy choruses on Ammo and That's the Spirit as well. I think he's actually he's got quite a knack for making memorable vocal hooks in their songs really memorable vocal hooks that spirit the song is really memorable true friends the the hook in that is really like i mean actually the hook in throne is 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 jordan more than i was going to say throne super catchy because it is but that's more jordan actually than than it is ollie but undoubtedly you know like i think that's not accurate i don't think to say that ollie doesn't bring any i mean the thing is is we don't know (laughs) if ollie even writes those vocal hooks to be honest because they kind of turned up around zen paternal fully formed uh yeah uh they kind of like you know hit big on and and the last i think the last three albums i think he has you know like happy song that's it, it happy song throne true friends like they're they're all you know really really big sound songs but that's the sort of jordan fish here and i wouldn't be surprised if jordan fish has quite a lot to do with so yeah maybe i don't I've said know it multiple like... times that jordan fish is the only member of that band who has any sort of major talent and i stick by that mm. and i've also said ollie sykes is the least talented person i've ever seen on the o2 stage and that includes quite a lot of the roadies and stuff like that i mean he's fucking terrible and he remains terrible but yeah i'm not a fan I think I've made that clear. No, I mean, you know, I think he does. He's he's the perfect front man for that band to be perfect, is what I think. I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not a, like, I'm not repping for Ollie Sykes as a person. Not really that convinced that he's got, he's been blessed with, uh, with, with much musical ability at all. But I think he is the right person to be fronting that band. I don't think Bring Me The Horizon would be as big as they are 
without Ollie Sykes. I don't think it'd be anywhere near as big with somebody else on vocals because he, because of the way he looks, because of the way he performs and acts, because of his personality, because of the things that he brings to that band. I think it is, he's, he's Fred Durst is what he is. He's Fred Durst. Fred Limbiscuit would not be as big without Fred Durst. And even though he's comfortably the least talented person in the band and Bring Me the Horizon would not be big without Ollie Sykes, even though he's probably the most, well, he's the most untalented person in the band as well. Yeah, you might be right. It's hardly the first time it's happened. I mean, I can think of plenty of other people who could front Bring Me the Horizon and make them a better band as a result. But would they be as big? But would they be as big? Yeah. That, I mean, we don't know. But but mm. yes, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, if Freddie, if, if Freddie Mercury headlined, uh, headlined, if Freddie Mercury fronted Bring Me the Horizon, like Adam Lambert, then yeah, probably they would do. But I think you need, you'd have to get like, if you're talking about a massive rock star already exists, yes. But if you're talking about plucking somebody from, you know, the metalcore scene and putting them in Bring Me the Horizon and replacing him, I yeah, it's kind of it's think like it would be pretty difficult. The talent thing, I mean, the talent thing's interesting, isn't it? You know, because like you know, Lars Ulrich is is, is gets it all the time, and and for being yeah. a, a not great drummer, you know, better than people say he is, but but you know, compared to his peers, certainly quite low down. But you know, that thing of him making Hetfield's riffs sound better, I'm not sure that's strictly true. Like, there's plenty of there's plenty of vocalists I can think of who could come in to bring me and make those songs better. <laughs> but I understand what you're saying from a point of view. Oh, yeah, I mean, look, fucking hell. When, when, when Sam Carter came out on stage with Bring Me The Rise in that time and they played in the, that field, it, there was a, you, you suddenly went, oh, right. Yeah. You know, that's the difference between these two people here is that one of them is an actual singer and the other one is, you know, a guy who's got a clothing fashion line and people like and he's got a very recognizable look and he you know to be fair to him he's good with visuals and all that kind of stuff and that shit is really important anyway uh let's rank this <sighs> it's another one of those ones where i go i don't really know but i'm gonna say straight away again from the darkness one-way ticket to hell and back down as we like plummet down from where, where we are 76 all the way down to you know, number one. I am going to kind of go, let's rule all of that out all the way down to, I've gone past Macho Man Randy Savage's Be A Man already on as I scroll down and I'm like, well, I'll definitely take that over this. I think even <sighs> Songs of Innocence, I'm like, which is one where I'm always like, that always makes me stop because I love you too. Uh-huh. don't know if I've ever mentioned that before, but like, I really yeah. hate Songs of Innocence. Uh-huh. Um yeah, I think this is all fair so far. I thought I might have to fight for this, but but uh, you you mentioned Limp Bizkit already. Results may vary, mm-hmm. and I I'd already rather listen to results may vary than this. So yeah, me too. I think even when you look at shit like Baptism by Lenny Kravitz, which we took the piss out of mercilessly, I think is better than this. The Pigeon Detectives, I remember us going, it's just an indie album. I mean, I guess this is just a deathcore album. Yeah. But I even think the Pigeon Detectives, boring as they are, seem to have a better grasp of what they're doing more than uh, than Bring Me the Horizon did at this point. The Enemy Streets in the Sky, ditto. Dirty Vegas 1, ditto. I think we get past Bloodhound Gang. Puddle of Mud, Chris Cornell, Razorlight. Ooh. I'm going down a fair bit. I was gonna going to say, I think we're slowing down around here. We are, yeah, yeah. I mean... I'm looking at Morbid Angel, Illid Divinium and Sarnus. Mm. Because I'm like, that's where I start to stop. Because I'm like, now you're one of the best death metal bands ever. Mm. Right? 
and you've released this dreadful record this late into your career. Lord only knows what you were thinking. You can't accuse Bring Me the Horizon of that. Do you know what I mean? You can't accuse young teenage kids who just didn't really know what they were doing but wanted to kind of mimic the stuff that they liked. It doesn't feel as big a... It doesn't feel as big a crime. But then, Mm. this, I think, seems weird considering they're an arena band. Mm. And they're probably, you know, they're going to headline Reddit and all this stuff. I think this actually has had quite a a, a detrimental effect on their career. It shouldn't do. On paper, it hasn't. But I think in terms of how people feel about them and the general... The way people talk about Bring Me the Horizon, I think it actually has had a bit of a an effect on their career quite a negative effect on their career so i'm sort of i don't know i don't know i i i've got to admit you've gone a little bit higher up the list than i expected you to i'll be honest Mm -hmm. because for example i'm looking at razor light what would i rather re-listen to this or razor light this probably and they both got hateful front people in them but i mean johnny burrell's just a fucking douchebag um I, I don't know i mean i don't know if we should really be bringing i think razor light I, I think but i think razor light have more under then th- this point i think razor light have a much better understanding of who they are as a band than bring me their eyes and do on this album oh yeah absolutely but i but i kind of also feel like that we should actually give them a little bit of a, a, a bit of a pass because they were 18 19 years old you know Mm. and i sort of feel like we've already said it there are so many bands who have released really shit records when they were really 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 young and to be honest this is just another one of those and so i mean i don't even really think it's a broken record per se obviously we'll rank it but i i don't i just think it's a very young naive sort of first step into the i suppose technically second step if you count their ep as well but you know it's just young and naive and not very good. So I was I was kind of thinking more around the Chris Cornell puddle of mud sort mm. of or Bloodhound Gang kind of era, if, if I'm totally yeah. honest. I mean, you know. That's fair. Yeah, that is fair, actually. I mean, I only I think I jumped a bit because I get to sort of Streets in the Sky by the enemy mm. and, and, and the Pigeon Texas. And I'm like, well, I don't care for this album. I don't think it's very good. It's boring. At least it knows what it is. Yeah, you know, and I suppose like that kind of puts it above this a bit. Yeah, but yeah, Bloodhound Gang, Puddle of Mud, Scream. I mean, are you comfortable putting it above Scream by Chris Cornell, which had a few songs that you at least liked on it? You know, well, I am because Chris Cornell should have known better. He should have done. And to give Bring Me the Horizon credit at this point in time, they I don't think they should have known better. Quote unquote so mm. you know i hate hate to do it but i i actually think that is the fairest thing because of that and that alone really so i'm gonna say out of that then if we take that into account mm. i would suggest we put it between hefty fine by the blood and gang and one by dirty vegas yeah that would be play that would be 37 i think that's because fair. there's nothing because there's nothing on one by dirty vegas where i think you should have known better mm. and oh yeah you should have done it's just a bit boring yeah. whereas this is a it's a mixture of <laughs> what the fuck are you doing oh but we'll let you off because it's kind of there's a youthful 
whatever to it yeah i suppose we've i mean we've probably we haven't really we skirted over the sort of um, misogynistic lyrics a little bit um but then at the same time i suspect ollie sykes had heard glass jaws everything he ever wanted to know about silence and was emulating that possibly mm. and we have actually done a sort of big you know i wouldn't call it a defense of but like talked about sort of perspective and people writing lyrics when they're young and stuff like that with uh, that Glassjaw album before as well and he would have fit into that category as well so and also fuck knows what he's saying so this is out of your way to <laughs> yeah, read it yeah exactly anyway this will be fun next week Renfrey I've pulled another one out mm-hmm. thing is is I know that we can't top this because the greatest review ever which I'll talk about next week has already been made for this album Shine On by Jet oh wonderful remember Jet <laughs> are you going to be my girl <laughs> It's them. It's their the follow up to that, and you know the review that I'm talking about, and it is amazing. I think I've actually mentioned it plenty of times before, so some of you listening might be aware of that one as well. But there you go. We're going to be talking about Shine On by Jet next week. They're from Australia, but I don't know why they've got a Manchester. They wish they were from Manchester. (laughs) Don't know the fucking bellends. Anyway, (laughs) thanks very much for listening, guys. We appreciate that. Deathcore 101. That's more like Deathcore 001, wasn't it? Really, that that episode. Bring them in your eyes and we're probably never going to talk about them ever again. Yeah. Hooray! We've done them all. We've done pretty much the whole back catalogue now, haven't we? Done all of it. We've done we've done as much stuff on Bring Me the Horizon as we have done Glassjaw. <laughs> and Renfrew wants us to do Glassjaw every week. I do. So, you know, yeah. good. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. We will see you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>